listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hi, and welcome to My Pet Podcast. I'm Beck, and I'm joined by Dr. Glenn. Hello. This episode of My Pet Podcast, Glenn and I are going to get in touch with our horsey side and talk about um, tetanus and strangles. Horrible things. They are, actually. Mm. Uh, First off, let me start with our little disclaimer of this is just general information and may or may not be suited for you and your pet. So if you do have any concerns, please contact your vet. Now that's out of the road. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Tetanus and strangles. Um, They're actually two conditions we can vaccinate our horses against, which is fantastic. Because, as always, vaccination is always better than prevention than treating. Far less complicated, yes. It is. And that's why I guess they've managed to create some vaccines yeah. for it. So, firstly, Glenn, let's talk about tetanus. Um, so, first off, is it the same tetanus that us humans can get? Same uh, bacterial yep. toxin that causes it, yes. Um, the old Clostridium perfringens tetani. Um, it, um, yeah, it's a really nasty bacterial uh, infection that causes toxin to be released within the body or you can absorb just the toxin on its own and it causes really bad symptoms, yes. Yes. So uh, humans, horses, dogs, cats, pretty much all animals can get it in some version? Yes, all animals can get it. Um, some species are certainly more uh, resilient to the toxin mm-hmm. than others and seem to be less prone to actual infection. Unfortunately, horses are on the other end of the spectrum where they're really prone mm-hmm. to the infection um, and the effects of the toxin itself. So for a given dose um, in an animal, they are they're more susceptible than most species, Yeah, which is why they tend to be the ones that have the most problems with it. And why we vaccinate. And why we vaccinate. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's start with... Well, we've discussed it's a bacteria that gets into the bloodstream, doesn't it, Glenn? Well, bloodstream or just um, infection in wounds, essentially, and, and it's an okay. anaerobic bacteria, so that means it likes to grow um, in the absence of oxygen. So like, away from like, air. Away from air, so like deep abscesses, um, and um, horses are prone to those old soul abscesses and foot abscesses so like commonly. Wounds? Puncture wounds where the bacteria can get deep into tissue mm-hmm. um, and the air can't get it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm um, thinking about any you know, hoof wounds, but it's any wounds anywhere yeah. on the body, essentially. Um, um, the, the, the bacteria, which is in the soil, um, and it's just a, an environmental contaminant, essentially. Um, so any uh, penetrating wound anywhere in the body any could be causing wound it. Too. it can yep, be small wound, too. It doesn't have to be big. Like there's enough tetanus toxin on the end of a match head to kill 20,000 mice or something wow. like that. So like it's, yeah, it's, it's a very tiny amount of the actual yep. infection to cause trouble. So you don't have to have a, a massive wound um, that's, or a massive looking, that's injury. looking horrible. Yeah, so it can actually be something really minor, and you might not know about the injury. Really but you minor, yep. Tetanus reaction. Yep, and occasionally it can be um, like secondary to um, ulcerative or um, inflammatory um, bowel troubles, basically, so like colics and colics, gut yeah. infections. That sort of thing. You can get it you know, ingested mm-hmm. uh, the, the spores and um, okay. it ends up down in the gut and, and gets in the system that way. Mm. Yeah. So I guess it's pretty easy then, since it's so. Um, Highly contaminated in the soil. I guess it's easy yeah, for look, it to pick it's, it up. It's, it's it's easy, but I mean, there's not that many horses die of tetanus, okay. and there's unfortunately, well, you know, probably the majority I would expect of the um, horse population isn't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that prominent disease. But if you get it, they're going to die. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. They get it. They're going to die. Pretty yeah. Much. I mean, you can. We'll go through the treatment options, yep. but um, but they're relatively limited and and very expensive and of um 
poor percentage mm. of success. Um, so, yeah, basically it's not that common disease, but it's invariably fatal if it's untreated, and um, that's not much good. Mm. Is it Australia-wide? Uh, Australia-wide, yeah. There's no, no real – worldwide, yeah. There's no real re- regional um, effort to it. I mean, horses um, – some horses poop it out in their poop and it's mm-hmm. in their – Guts are only horse um, paddocks with horse poo in them are more prone potentially to have the tetanus toxin there in the first place. Yep. Um, and uh, but it's yeah, and anywhere essentially, there's nowhere that's free from it. You know, and yeah. it's not a seasonal thing, dry season, wet season, anything okay. like that. It's just um, it's just always in the in, in the, in the yeah. soil in the environment. Yep. Yeah. It's not spread horse to horse, so that's something. To not remember. not not contagious as yeah. such. Yeah. It's it's, it's got to be via the soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can it if a horse has tetanus and they ex can they excrete it into the by the poo or into the soil, then another horse might pick it up. Theor- it? Theoretically, but it's, it's just that much of it out there yep. sort of thing. So it's like it's just an opportunistic infection yep. um, and it's not, yeah, it's not transmissible. If you've got one horse that, that had a tetanus infection, realistically, that's not going to increase the environmental contamination at all. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's probably good to know. Yeah. Um, so what are the signs we need to look out for if of a horse suffering from tetanus infection. Yep. So um, it, it causes uh, excitation of uh, – it's a nerve toxin, so mm-hmm. excitation of um, the muscles essentially and um, the muscles fire off uh, more rigidly than they should or, mm-hmm. or um, so start they having a spasm. Yeah, so they tends to start at the head but not yeah. 100% necessarily. So they get this um, – like dogs, we see this grimace face where they look mm-hmm. like they're um, very worried and, and their forehead um, crinkles up basically. Mm-hmm. So they've got um, contraction of the muscles there and Horses, is, it's similar, but the ears, ears get tight, lips get tight, face gets tight. Um, can affect like the neck muscles, and they get a, a sore horse stance where oh, they're, yeah. or they're like rigid. Those lumbar muscles sort of tighten up sometimes down over the hindquarters. Um, if they get enough of the stimulation, um, the, it can start to affect their respiratory muscles, mm-hmm. and they're more prone to um, to stimulation, particularly noise stimulation. Like they'll oh, okay. get they'll like get sensitive. sort of jumpy and jittery, mm-hmm. like more so with noise, yep. um, and that can exasperate things. Um, okay. like, yeah, if someone claps their hands or something, they'll just stiffen up and and go more rigid sort of thing. Okay. Um, so I don't think that's an, a direct effect on the, their hearing as such, but it just seems to modify their reaction to okay. um, stimulus, whether that's you know physical stimulus or, or, or sound. I guess it's a neurological thing, so anything's fake. Going through the nervous system, yeah. yeah. Um, and then if it progresses, that they become recumbent, but they're stiff, basically, like everything's yeah. just tight. Um, and they can get to stage where they can't stand up, can't mm. breathe. So they're lying on the ground, um, with everything getting tighter and tighter mm. and they can't breathe and suffocate is the it's is the cause of death. Horrible yeah. to yeah. see, I imagine. I yeah, thankfully haven't. I've seen, I've treated. Quite a few dogs. Um, mm-hmm. I can only remember treating one um, foal um, mm-hmm. that was affected with a navel um, infection as the as the source of the um, source mm-hmm. of the infection, sort of thing. Um, I've seen two horses with it, which were euthanized and and, yep. and was elected not to treat it because it is it's pretty difficult to treat and mm-hmm. certainly not inexpensive. Yeah. How quickly does it progress from those first signs of those ears sort of starting to tighten up or the face? Yeah, usually within like 24 to 48 okay, hours from, so from onset of symptoms to, to you know, death or euthanasia, essentially. Okay. Yeah, so it is very quick. Re- and progresses fairly quickly. Yeah. So even if you get it in those really early stages, treatment's not 
real, really a viable option? Oh, it's look, it's or? always an option and, and it's most likely always offered. It's, it's yep. the only way to treat it is to find the source of the infection and mm-hmm. try and debride it, open it up and let the oxygen into okay. where the infection is. So and, clean and, it all out. Yeah, and sometimes that's you know relatively obvious if they've had a wound recently, that's the most likely spot for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that's where the infection yeah, is. True. But, um, but yeah, you know, feet abscesses and you know, it can be literally tiny little areas. I mean, the dogs are treated, um, some of those like they've got a little tooth root infection mm-hmm. um, and particularly puppies that break their little canine teeth yep. off um, before they, they drop out and, and they've got a, you know, a small amount of infection there but it doesn't take yeah it's not necessarily a big hideous wound sort of yep. thing that, that causes troubles in horses um, yeah I mean they're so prone to solapses and, mm. and that sort of thing yeah there's lots and lots of horses get solapses and, and don't get tetanus out of it yep. um, but that's a common spot um, but you know it could only be literally a little um, spot of infection I guess five, even an five, five mil, sure, five sure. Mil, yep, absolutely five millimeters by five millimeters is enough to, to cause troubles yeah yeah so prognosis isn't great thing. prognosis is poor yeah because yep. by the time you diagnose it the toxin's already in the system mm-hmm. um, and the treatment uh, apart from fighting infection and, and getting rid of the, the source of the toxin so they don't absorb more of it is to um, directly uh, counteract it with tetanus antitoxin um, which yep. is a, a product um, from horses that are very very immune to um, the tetanus mm-hmm. um, bug. tetanus bug because they've been vaccinated um, a lot mm-hmm. for it and, and it's purified down and it when you uh, administer it it actively uh, displaces the toxin off the okay. off the nerves and binds to it so that's why it's an anti-toxin mm-hmm. um, that is uh, not inexpensive mm-hmm. these days it's um certainly escalating price in the last couple yep. of years um, as a as a Injection, you can get it as single uh, one mil doses, or it still comes as a ten mil, mm-hmm. um, ten mil dose bottle. But if you're using it as prevention, and most equine vets, if you've got a horse that's got a wound or a, or a, a deep infection mm-hmm. point, um, obviously we'll ask about the vaccination status of the yep. horse, and 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 um, it's usually sort of routine to administer tetanus antitoxin yep. um, and the T-A-T vaccination. Is what we call it. Yeah, TAT um, and um, vaccination if they're not fully vaccinated yep. um, at the same time, and that's bit only of pre- extra protection. Yeah, that's like a preventative dose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one mil, and that's sort of a bit arbitrary, but, but one mil's the, the usual amount that's administered. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, treating a, you know, if it was an adult horse, you'd be looking at trying to, well, give them as much tetanus antitoxin as yeah. you can afford realistically, both at the site of the infection and um, intravenously. And if they've got central nervous system um, wow. signs, I mean, you can inject it um, intrathecally um, mm-hmm. up in the back of their head and put it straight in the central nervous system wow. in their spinal cord. Um, so it gets to the nerves as um, concentrated mm-hmm. as possible. Obviously, that's not without risk and needs a general anaesthetic and everything else Um, but it's yeah and incredibly expensive it is yeah treatment's not um, uncomplicated yeah yeah so it's not always an option for everybody. Yeah, which is, which is difficult. Yeah. yeah so, know, but if, if, you know, if you've got a, a million-dollar racehorse that yeah. came down with tetanus, um, you, know, you could quite ha- happily spend you know, $10,000 on them pretty quickly probably mm-hmm. um, in, in medications mm-hmm. potentially. Um, and if you um, are able to administer all this medication and do everything you possibly can, is it a guaranteed successful oh, so outcome? Or? Certainly not a guarantee because yep. of the, how, how it works, but you, you still be looking at you know, multiple days of hospital and supportive care because they mm-hmm. can't. Can't drink, can't eat, um, probably can't stand up. Um, so there's all the you know, bed sore yep. problems and that sort of thing with recumbent horses. Horses aren't designed to lie down mm, for, um, for, for yeah for extended periods of time. So 
they are they're pretty complicated little cases. Yeah. And, and I mean, the foal that I um, treated um, had, it was a you know, successful treatment, but you know, just management wise, foals are a lot easier yeah, to manage are. just on a size basis. You can than, handle them than, a lot than easier. Horses. Yeah, handle them, and, and they can handle you know lying down for longer because yep. there's not as much um, weight involved and all yep. that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, every horse is. Prone to having it, I guess, or getting but it? Basically, yeah. I mean, foals, um, initially, if their parents, if their mother, um, yep. basically, if she's got a good vaccination status, yep. um, they will receive antibodies via the colostrum mm-hmm. um, and have protective immunity for that first between 8 to 16 weeks mm-hmm. um, from mum's immunity sort of thing. But after that, you know, there's no uh, environmental um, response to infection and getting immunity that way because if you get tetanus, they die basically. Mm-hmm. So um, they're either um, vaccinated and potentially immune to it or yep. if they're not vaccinated, they're, they're, they're potentially open to infection. Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll discuss um, the vaccination schedule a little bit later on because yeah. there's definitely things to consider when vaccinating pregnant mares and the timing of that and yep. vaccinating your foals and yep. things as well. Um, so I guess that sort of covers the tetanus side of things. Yeah, it's just, I mean, again, um, prevention is far easier than cure. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so strangles, that's yep. the other one we can vaccinate easily enough against. Yep. Um, so what is it? What's strangles? Respiratory tract infection, essentially. Um, <laughs> it called strangles because it usually, not always, but usually um, induces a, a really nasty lymph node response mm. in the upper respiratory tract, so sort of the bottom of the throat area um, where if horses have got it. 30 lymph nodes yeah. underneath their jawline sort of thing and up underneath the base of the ears. Yeah, it can be quite spectacular. kind of looks like tennis balls under the Yeah, it can jaw. be quite spectacular yeah. swelling. You get abscesses within those lymph nodes yeah. um, from, from the bacterial infection and, um, and there's lymph nodes, you know, in the tonsils and inside the throat and the horses have got the funky guttural pouches oh. which are the sort of um, up to 400 millimetres of air spaces yep. just in the back of their throat which can infect them as well yep <laughs> um, so you know they're quite complicated in that area and, and it's a nasty infection that is just um, comes from again from their environment I mean mm-hmm. yes it's from other horses but it, it's quite a stable bacteria in the environment yep. so um, it, they can get it from you know sharing water troughs at mm-hmm. horse events and that sort of thing or, or if you've got a you know a, a farm, you know, with, with his model yeah. animals and horses coming and going. Um, you know, if you've got a horse that's got strangles and they're snotting everywhere and, mm-hmm. and they've got these pussy abscesses that are draining, um, then that soil's contaminated for, yep. you know, probably months potentially yeah. um, as an environmental contamination. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, a treatable disease, but it's a pretty nasty infection it's still. It's pretty contagious, really. Pretty contagious, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not airborne as such, no. um, but definitely, you know, Contact just um, sharing, you know, halters and, and yeah. um, feed bins and, and people going between horses mm-hmm. sort of in a, in a farm, like a stud situation, yeah. um, or definitely, like, um, you know, horse shows and, and events and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, if you're thinking about, you know, um, especially watering points and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, or just direct contact, you know, in stable situation, you can certainly, you know, transfer it that way. I know it is one that we worry about on horse studs because tends to see seems to be something that once one gets um you can often see a few of the younger horses particularly yeah absolutely and, and i mean again it's it? it's um only in by infection or vaccination that they get immunity to it so either yep. they've been vaccinated um and should have immunity to it um or um they're immune naive and if they come in contact with it they're going to get it and yep. because it is you know quite transitional yeah if, if one animal um presents with it and, and has symptoms and you know snots everywhere and, and pusses everywhere it's um, it goes through the ones that have got um, no immunity mm-hmm. reasonably quickly in that same you know, in that same environment yep. yeah so what are the signs we mentioned the snot and the 
big swollen glands. Yeah, I mean, running, running, running high temperatures and, and yep. coughing and spluttering because of the um, the swelling, and uh, they don't all go to abscesses, but most of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's and they can blow out sometimes, say, through the neck. Yeah, blow out through like, the – they just eat their way through the skin, yeah, basically. It's and, so gross. Yeah, and, oh. um, and you've got cheesy – Oh, it, yeah, it's so gross. Dra- dra- draining <laughs> out. Um, but that can happen in, in you know, inside there. Um, lymph nodes inside their respiratory yeah. tract as well, which is pretty nasty. And, and then there's a better 20% complication rate um, with like normal strangles where it affects those upper respiratory tract mm-hmm. lymph nodes. Um, there's a condition called bastard strangles where the the bacteria progresses to elsewhere in the body okay. um, and other lymph nodes elsewhere, particularly in the chest, but but can okay. be anywhere um, because they get bacteremic. So the bacteria just gets into the bloodstream as part of the infection and it can end up anywhere. Yep. Um, and that can be a difficult to treat and sometimes difficult to diagnose mm-hmm. um, because um, sometimes they can have a partial immunity from vaccination. The oh, vaccination yeah, okay. is not fully protective and it's one of those diseases where um, – I mean, tetanus as a vaccination is what preventative, so they, it can be it can prevent disease if they come in contact with yep. the toxin. Um, strangle seems to be one of those things where the vaccination significantly decreases the severity of mm-hmm. the symptoms, um, but it doesn't necessarily stop transfer of the disease to to that patient. And so they can still get it. Fully can vaccinated. still get it and doesn't necessarily stop them passing it on to another animal. Okay. Um, and um, bastard strangles, which is the one where it gets in the bloodstream and, and goes. Through rest of the body um there's certainly a thought that if you've got a, an outbreak happening on a, mm-hmm. on a farm if you vaccinate in the face of a of an infection um outbreak those horses with partial immunity from a vaccination that's only been recently administered yep. might be more likely to, to develop bastard strangles as oh, well okay. um so that's a, a complication yeah. um but you know it's not a reason not to vaccinate but no. it, it same as most things it's a it's good idea to already be um, immune rather yep. than trying to run around and get everything immune um, while the bacteria is <laughs> as the infection In the of the is disaster. potentially already yep. there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so bastard strangles is, is pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. And there's another complication called um, pipuria hemorrhagica where mm-hmm. sort of a bit like a septicemia problem where okay. they have a, a vascular reaction, so blood vessels get inflamed um, as a response to the bacteria and it causes all sorts of troubles. Um, they can bleed out internally oh, through their lungs or, nice. or anywhere else um, and sometimes like get sloughing of tissue like all their skin will fall off and their hooves will fall off and or, or variations of that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, some like um, you know, sudden death, weird sort of um, presentations yep. of, of the disease. You know, if you if you culture their blood or culture, you know, do a postmortem on them and culture mm-hmm. abscesses and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, some of these horses will have this um, less common presentation of the disease, and a bit the same as bastard strangles. Um, it can cause nasty um, pulmonary abscesses. So like okay, you'll have you'll have yeah lesser upper respiratory tract infection troubles, but um, you'll have you know chronic. Coughing and spluttering and, well, and, and apparent like you know, infection troubles, yep. um, and these abscesses will, will rupture like into the pleural cavity, so in the space between the lungs and the chest mm-hmm. wall, and, and that'll be all pus in there, and that usually doesn't end well, no. um, you know, respiratory distress and death sort of yep. thing. Um, and again, if you do postmortems and culture those, um, you'll you'll pull the strep bug mm-hmm. out of them. Yeah, there's um, Hendra virus is probably complicated significantly um, the diagnosis of some of those potential cases because um, sort of sudden death weird um, 
deaths in horses um, are potentially less chased up than they used to be because of the, um, yeah, the, okay. the complication of if it is hendrovirus, well, you've got to get a diagnosis on that before you do Worry a post-mortem. And, and if you're excluding hendrovirus as a cause, um, okay, it wasn't hendrovirus and that's good, but um, it probably delays and, and stops post-mortems from happening potentially. Yep. So, yeah, how often those sort of diseases are happening is, 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 is a little bit yeah more um, more difficult to find mm-hmm. out. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not in um, equine practice anymore. But but certainly, um, yeah, doing postmortems used to be really commonplace, and, yep. and it's certainly significantly decreased since hendrovirus came on the scene because of the risk of doing it. Because the risk factors, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, because hendro can be easily be passed on during mm. the postmortem procedure Absolutely. from the horse to the vet. Yep. So yep. and vet we've or, seen it happen. Or bystanders, yes. or, yeah, yeah. So it, and it ends, it can be fatal to people as well. So yep. people are choosing not to do postmortems these days. Yeah, gun shy. Yeah, yep. yep. which is understandable. Yep. So if I see a horse come onto my property and it's we don't know its vaccination um, status and it's got a runny nose, noddy, maybe not the swollen lymph nodes, yep. would you first <laughs> – consider the fact that they could be strangles oh look it could be yeah and it yep. could develop you know over a couple of days okay. to that and and if it's a recent introduction of the property um, depending on your quarantine procedures yep. um, it would be reasonable to, to keep them excluded um, and all the water points and feeding yeah, and, and people handling them all that sort of thing um, which may or may not be necessarily very easy depending yeah, on the on the situation hard. yeah I mean some of these thoroughbred studs with walk on walk off mares I mean they they come so. yeah they're only on the place for three hours that's right um so Even less <laughs> that's right. Um, but so it makes it, you know, it makes yep. it quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long does the strangles um, illness take? Well, what's the progression of it? Are we th- saying like, oh, runny nose one day, lumps the next? Yeah, I mean, the, the abscesses usually take a couple of days to a week to come up. Yep. Um, could be longer, um, okay. depending on the variant that you've got and how much immunity you've got, and, yep. and if you start treating them with antibiotics or don't treat them with antibiotics, and that's a whole other point of conjecture. Is okay, you've got a you know confirmed or suspected infection. Do yep. you treat them with antibiotics or not? Okay. Because there used to be a theory that if you treat them with antibiotics when they've already got it early on before the abscesses form and start draining, they're more likely to become bastard strangles and yes, that sort I of things. That, yeah. um, there's different theories on that now yeah, and, and okay. we've got some antibiotics that are potentially better than the old procaine penicillin yeah. um, that it used to be at fighting it, so the recommendation of that have sort of changed okay. a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's it's, it's complicated. <laughs> Thanks, uh, I mean, diagnosis has got better because it used to be um, just swabs and mm-hmm. send it off to the lab and try and grow the actual bacteria. Yep. There are um, PCR, as in um, DNA tests now, for okay. um, for the actual bacteria, which mm-hmm. are uh, more likely to detect the bacteria because a big pussy abscess um, sometimes isn't the best place to, to get healthy bacteria yeah, to okay. um, to grow them from um, and the PCRs are a bit faster as well okay. yeah so and that, but that's you know someone's got to be paying for the yeah for the, right. for the testing as well and yeah. and if you've got two horses in yeah. your herd that's probably less likely to happen than um, if you've got a hundred horses on mm-hmm. a stud um, further complicated by the fact of what state you're in it is a notifiable disease go, still yeah. <laughs> um, which should, means you need means, to tell means it needs to be reported to authorities um, yes. and a protocol for that and and um, which is dist- where your dist- vets come in and district, do well vet, vets get involved but district vets and government vets and that's okay. um, yep. would would get involved depending on the um, 
the inclination of the governing body to do something about it potentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, d- yeah, it depends on the state that you're okay. in. Yeah. What's the prognosis for a horse with strangles? The uncomplicated ones, I mean, there's been lots of horses that have got strangles and, and mm-hmm. you know, got the abscesses and, and they've been pretty sick at the time. Pretty sick and, and the abscesses are lanced and the pressure comes off and the temperature goes away and they, and they get over it. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, the prognosis is certainly, you know, it's not a fatal disease invariably, yep. that's for sure. Um, there are, it's probably the, the bastard strangles and the, um, secondary complications. The secondary complications mm-hmm. are a big problem. And, um, some of those, um, ones that do recover either through treatment or spontaneous, um, recovery, mm-hmm. um, can become carriers. And that's the, okay. the, you know, complicating factor of, okay, um, they don't have to be showing symptoms to be a, a carrier of the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So they continue to shed it, um, in their respiratory secretions and, mm-hmm. and that sort of things. And, and they uh, are not necessarily sick and they can go to a different farm or a different owner um, yep. and, and pass it on to other in-contact horses and, uh, and, and other, the, 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 the cause of the problem. Yep. Um, yeah, and again, you can do extensive testing on those and usually diagnose mm-hmm. them through the PCR testing and flushing guttural pouches and, and mm-hmm. getting you know deep tissue um swabs from deep in the airways and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but again, you know, they're all invasive procedures mm-hmm. just to get the sample in the first place um, without the cost of growing and, yep. de- and detecting the bugs. So uh, again, depending on your circumstances, sometimes that happens and sometimes it probably doesn't. Yep. Yeah. But we so can't see a horse and say, okay, it hasn't got strangles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a typical just standard strangles case, they'll normally be perfectly fine in a number of weeks. Yeah, and- I mean, normally get over in a couple yep. of weeks and, and so um, I mean – if it's a stallion, he's probably going to run a fair temperature while he's mm-hmm. um, got it and is likely to be infertile for the next three, yeah. mu- three months temporarily because of his um, testicle yeah. temperature will have elevated, yeah. so that's a problem. Um, if they're pregnant, that's mm-hmm. obviously a problem for bacteria getting in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you've got a show horse that you want to show in a show in, mm-hmm. in six weeks' time, that's obviously a problem as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's, it's, it's certainly got a lot lower fatality rate but is definitely not without potential fatal complications, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I hope that's pretty much strangles covered yeah it, it's one of those weird complicated ones and both these diseases i mean they've been around forever and a day and yeah, i think vac- vaccinations we've probably had for 40 years for both mm-hmm. both of them but um i couldn't tell you what percentage of the horse population out there's vaccinated yeah. it probably isn't very high realistically um and um it's i mean tetanus is probably more likely to be vaccinated than strangles mm-hmm. certainly um and we'll get into the vaccination protocols but yeah tetanus is you know I think some horses are adequately protected mm-hmm. for strangle so. for um, for tetanus. Um, there'd be certainly fewer that would be protected against strangles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a couple of strangles outbreaks in my time. I had one down at Dubbo that we were managing. There was uh, thirty or forty horses um, mm-hmm. that were affected and had other outbreaks where there's been um, you know, lesser numbers mm-hmm. sort of thing. And uh, I had one at a camp draft one day where there's like five hundred horses from <gasps> from three different states. <laughs> that was um, and one of the horses that had been. Yeah, three days earlier to the camp draft came down with strangles, so that got pretty complicated. Yeah, that would get complicated. Yeah. I know I've had – we had one young weanling arrive to our place and a couple of days later it seemed to um, break out with strangles, so yeah. we had to go through the whole <laughs> um, quarantine. Quarantine and decontamination, et cetera. Yeah, yeah all yeah. that. So it wasn't fun and it yeah, it wasn't pretty either to yeah. watch. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, and it's, it's bloody painful. You yeah, know, it's, it would it's, be. Uh, it would be very um, uncomfortable to of get, course. that's for sure. Yeah. So I guess the reason why we're talking about these two seemingly unconnected diseases um, together at the same time is because you can actually vaccinate um, for them together with one vaccine. But I guess they're the 
two common things that we vaccinate against, well, we should be vaccinating against for our horses. Yeah, absolutely. And so they've actually made um, – there are – Four different vaccines that probably Glenn will cover more in detail, but you've got the Equivac 2-in-1, which covers both your tetanus and your strangles. Yep. Then you've got your Equivac S, which is just a straight strangles vaccine. You've got your Equivac T, which is just a tetanus vaccine. Then you have your Equivac tetanus antitoxin or the TAT, yep. which is what Glenn was talking about for more of a treatment. Or Treat, treatment or preventative in the, in the face of a wound. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's I guess that's why we're talking about them in combination because it should be part of their um, – yearly or their ongoing vaccination schedule yes. you should be vaccinating against tetanus and strangles yep okay so that said what well, let's start at birth let's well let's start pre-birth i guess a pregnant mare yep. when should we vaccinate a pregnant mare Dep- they should be fully vaccinated depends <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so if, if they're fully vaccinated they should have um a vaccination just prior to foaling and that's two to four weeks prior to foaling and we normally which, give them a two-in-one uh yes that's yes. the two-in-one for both tetanus mm-hmm. and strangle so they confer pass on good immunity to their um mm-hmm. to their progeny and again two to four weeks before foaling is a bit arbitrary because you don't no, know really when they're going to fold so i mean my recommendation is probably more like four to six weeks before yeah. um just in case they're going to fall next week mm-hmm. um but yeah so so that's the way to ensure as best you can that the foal, when it hits the ground and has, has its colostrum, it's protected from that mm-hmm. until you can then vaccinate it to give it its own immunity. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. When they're f- when a foal does hit the ground, yep. we give them a TAT. That uh, used to be the old way of doing things. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> yep. um, so it, it would protect them like the navel mostly mm-hmm. or, or you know, eating poo and that sort of thing. Yes. Like it's um, that was a standard recommendation um, across the board if you could afford it. Yeah. Um, it's probably become a bit less affordable these days. Yeah, it's but- good to mention that because it used to be – a lot more affordable, should I say? Yeah, it's about tripled in price in the last yeah. five years. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's used gone, to be a a standard on, um, you know, your foal hit the ground, you'd give yeah. them that uh, jab of penicillin. Yeah, and, and the same the same as any wound. Um, yeah, it used to be they'd get a tetanus antitoxin at the same right. time just for, for insurance policy, so yeah. essentially. Um, but whether that's going to happen a lot these days, mm. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm out of full-time equal in <laughs> practice now. I mean, my place, the horses still get it, but Same um, at my place, but it's, yeah, it's a hard one. Um, but that, that would be, you know, additional coverage until mm-hmm. they get to the 12 week mark where you can start vaccinating mm-hmm. them for them, for them, uh, their own immunity, basically. Okay. And, um, at that stage, they'd get, uh, two in one as their first mm-hmm. vaccination and, tetanus you need two vaccinations mm-hmm. four to six weeks apart strangles you need three vaccinations two weeks apart um so it becomes a two in one first and then a two stra- weeks strangles alone vaccination two weeks later mm-hmm. two weeks after that another two, two in one, one. Yep. yep um and then that should give them a year's immunity mm-hmm. their first annual booster they get another two in one two in one yep. and then depending on if they're being used as broodmares or what their mm-hmm. um, reproductive status is going to be um tetanus really you should only need to boost every four or five years mm-hmm. um for the tetanus side of things so that likely means they get a strangles booster every, every year because that's they need a strangles booster every year basically and then a two and one every and a two five and one years. every four to five years yeah or mm-hmm. if, do they get a substantial wound do you just give them a tetanus top up anyway yeah um that's probably what usually happens yeah yes. um and like tetanus immunity is, is certainly more long-lived but because it's such a horrible disease in horses um and there's no testing to detect are they immune to it or not um mm. it's just assume that it's waning and, and revaccinated essentially yeah 
Can we do any damage if we were to give them a tour of mine every year? Look, very unlikely. Yeah, it's just a, a cost factor. Other than, other than hip pocket. Yeah, yeah but it, it's, it's very unlikely that it's needed every um, year for the tetanus side of things. Uh, but it's not going to do any harm as such. But I guess our broodmares are getting that tour of mine every year anyway. Essentially, before <laughs> yeah, they if seven foals every year. That's right. Yep. Um, and I mean, the vaccination wise, tetanus vaccination usually is pretty well tolerated, and, and you know, any vaccination can cause uh, injection site uh, reactions at times, mm-hmm. and you get like a bit of muscle stiffness and soreness um, at the site. Where you sometimes. give it, yeah, um, and in horses, essentially, that's you either choose to give it in the neck or in the mm. bum. Um, bums um, less troublesome if they yeah, do get muscle definitely. swelling because they get a bit stiffer. Um, but if that's they about can, it. if you give it in the neck, sometimes you can see a little bit of a reaction, and they um, actually get stiff in the neck and stiff they can't the turn and, their head and properly and for yeah, a few days. Grazing and, and drinking yeah. out of a low water trough, etc., gets a bit more um, problematic. I mean the bum end injection site is a bit more dangerous for the administrator basically <laughs> it's um, always fun. so yeah so i mean but both of those are the options essentially the mm-hmm. strangles um tends to be more likely to cause an injection site reaction in my mm-hmm. experience like you'd, you'd get a bit bigger lump and a bit mm-hmm. more swelling in a greater percentage of patients mm-hmm. probably like it goes away yeah it does um, go away but but they're probably more likely to get stiff and sore um you know from strangles uh, when it's in there, so that's either the two-in-one or um, the strangles on its own than just tetanus on its own. Yeah. So, but it's not any other real complications. I mean, I know we're vaccines injecting a form of the disease, so. The, yeah, I mean, the, the, well, the tetanus is you're vaccinating against the toxoid, which is the actual toxin, so you're not vaccinating against the bacteria yep. itself. Um, the strangles, you are vaccinating against the bacteria itself, and it's a killed vaccine in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, overseas, there's a couple of intranasal live um, vaccinations, mm-hmm. which is an option, which isn't an option in Australia at this stage. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's same as any vaccination that can mm-hmm. cause, you know, some swelling at the injection site. That's that's about it, really. Yep. Yeah, feel a bit crummy for a day or two sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, should every horse be vaccinated? Look, in an ideal in an ideal world, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, particularly important for horses that are um, you know, coming in contact with other horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, that's most horses at the end of the day. Yep. If you've got a horse that you know, is isolated and never goes anywhere and never has any other visit visiting horses, mm-hmm. I mean it's of, of you know, pretty low risk obviously, yep. um, as far as the strangles or things go. If you've got a horse and it's not vaccinated for tetanus, it's just as prone as any other horse that's that right. goes all over the country, um, to, to get uh, tetanus itself, but the strangle side of things, um, you know, the more horses they see, uh, the more likely they are to come mm. in contact with it. Yeah. And I guess it's not, um, it's not really that complicated a, um, vaccination schedule. No, I absolutely. Mean, I mean, everything costs money, but it's, that's right. um, it, once you've got the schedule, it's just, okay, put that on the calendar and, and, right. and just do it essentially. If you've only got one or two, it's quite easy to get track of. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's, um, less than if you've got 20. That is exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, Anything else on the vaccines, Claire? No, that's that's about that's it. I mean, it's, it's it there's a straightforward protocol there, and and um, you know, be guided by your vet um, for of the course. for the local conditions, etc. But oh, I would expect that every um, horse vet's going to tell you that they should be vaccinated yeah. for tetanus, certainly, and, and strangles in an ideal world, just because it's it's a nasty disease yep. they get it, and it is able to be prevented um, most of the time of causing significant clinical problems through vaccination. So yep. um, I would recommend that they are better off vaccinated than not vaccinated, that's mm. for sure. Yep. And once again, prevention through these vaccinations is always better for your horse. It is more ideal and it is cheaper in the end than che- treating cheap it. if they get it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, but that's always an odds game. It is an odds game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which some, some people like to roll the dice mm-hmm. on and other people don't. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yep. And I guess that's yeah, personal choice. At the yeah, end of the day. you just got to make decisions for, you, yep. for your own circumstances. Yeah. So you can actually buy the, all these vaccines, um, the Equivac range of vaccines. Um, you can 
get them all from your vet or some local produce stores or farm supplies stores um, may have them in stock or be able yeah, to order they're, they're them. Not, they're not a prescription medication, no. so they can be bought over the counter and, and, and horse owners can administer, administer themselves. themselves yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have a vet do it, but Correct. Um, I guess a vet will do it if they're there for an injury or something. Yeah, they? absolutely, and, and I mean that's – able to give you your you know, best advice mm-hmm. on scheduling and that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. One other thing, I guess um, when you geld a horse, you should give them – they used to always give a TAT, but now it's pretty open wound when you're gelding a horse. Yeah, it's an open wound, but, again, you're inducing a wound um, that's yep. got the potential for infection. So um, if they've got a full vaccination um, history already, um, that would probably um, be over, overkill potentially if yep. they're already vaccinated. But, you know – Timing-wise, they're probably coming up to due for their first right, vaccination yeah. at the same time as gelding a lot of the time yep. anyway. So, yeah, so it, it could be part of a, um, your vet's recommended regime. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, as always, I guess be guided by what your vet says on all of these, um, the vaccines and mostly tetanus, I guess, when they advise yes or no. Really, if you can, take their advice on it because they've seen it. Um, they know the area. Yep. They've treated it before, so they do know what's best. And, and if in doubt, it's probably going to be vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, there is a, a good website um, from Zoetis, which is actually a manufacturer in Australia of all of these vaccines. Uh, they have a website f- called Health for Horses. So it's www.health4, the number four, horses.com.au. And there's some more information there about the vaccines and about both tetanus and strangles, which might be useful if you want to know a bit more information. If you can't follow our ramblings, yep. Yep, that's right. And, of course, though, feel free to – shoot us through an email and ask us a question and we're more than happy to help. Um, And I think that just about covers everything on tetanus and strangles. Yep. Yep. Nothing else to say, Glenn? No, all good. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it. I hope we helped shed some light on those two things for you. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye.